Welcome to the Alliance Bible Church Podcast. We exist to be a healthy community, living and sharing the good news of Jesus with neighbors and nations. If you have your Bibles or your Bible app, you can turn with us to 1 John chapter 2. And my good friend, I have to say he's my good friend because otherwise he'd beat me up. Aaron Mason is going to read for us this morning. That's uh, 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love... Love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Thanks, Aaron. That's where it goes. So last week, as summer vacation was drawing to a close, I'm sure all the kids are super happy about that. Um, we decided to go camping one more time. I decided this year that we needed to camp this summer because we have a tent and we say that we like camping, but we haven't been camping in like seven years. So I felt bad saying that, that I liked camping. So this year, I said, we'll camp twice and we'll either say we like camping or get rid of our tent. Turns out camping is okay. So last Sunday evening, we headed down to Bandon, Oregon, along the Oregon coast, four and a half hours away, which is farther than I wanted to be in a car on Sunday afternoon. Now, we're fans of the coast, and we were excited to see the lighthouse down there. Um, But the reason for this trip to Bandon was that we were headed to visit the West Coast Wildlife Safari Game Park Zoo thingy. I don't know the name of it. They use all those words. I just don't know the right order. So this place is part zoo and part petting zoo. And part this is where you get to pet big cats before they get too big. So we saw lion and tigers. There should be a tiger there because it's my favorite. I like him. He's my friend. He doesn't know it. He would probably eat me. But for my part, he's my friend. We saw lions, we saw tigers, we saw bears. We did not see any omis. And we were able to pet a four-month-old ocelot and a four-month-old caracal. They were cute, they were fuzzy, and they were precious. We also got to hold animals like an opossum. I did not hold that because it is not cute, fuzzy, or precious. I did hold a raccoon, and I, I want to pet raccoon now. I'm not going to lie. So while they're cute and fuzzy and precious, they also still have all of their pointy bits, which means that the keepers had some expectations or some rules for us when we got to interact with them, such as you pet the cat from behind the cat with the flat hand on the back of the cat, not near the head because the head is where some of the pointy bits are. 
So you want to stay away from those. And we did as we were told. These were the commands that were told to us as each group entered to hang out with the wild cats. And while it would have seemed really fun to just run around and play with a four-month ocelot like I would with my cat Stormy, who I'm also afraid of, it seemed like a good idea to follow... Cats are crazy. Like, I trust my dog, but cats. But it seemed like a good idea to follow the rules. If you have a, a message handout and outline, the first blanks there... The rules were in place because they care about humans. Now, you could argue that they just don't want to get sued for you getting hurt, but I I choose to believe that the people at the West Coast Wildlife Safari Game Park Zoo thingy actually care about the safety of us human folk. Good morning. My name is Wayne. I have the privilege of being the Associate Pastor of Youth and Family Ministries here at Alliance Bible Church. Um, That means I get to hang out with middle schoolers and high schoolers. This Friday, we're playing dodgeball and eating pizza. It means that I get to hang out in kids' church. Um, Over the summer, we've had kids in here. Um, But next Sunday, we'll go back to having kids' church, and I get to hang out in there. You guys are great, but I'm really excited about hanging out with kids next week. It also means I get to uh, walk alongside parents and families and be a resource to them. So if you are like a grade school person in here, you might already have Play-Doh. And what I want you to do with that Play-Doh is make, make an animal. Maybe your favorite animal, maybe my favorite animal, which is a tiger. But make an animal because I want to see that afterwards. Maybe a snake, if you're feeling kind of lazy with your Play-Doh, you can make a snake. So if, if you're not a kid and there's Play-Doh left over, you can make an animal too. I won't hold that against you. I've done it before. So thanks for choosing to spend some time with us this morning as we worship God, connect with each other, and learn from his word. I don't know what you're facing this week, but I hope that the rest of our time together you'll be encouraged by God's word and know that he loves you and we can trust his goodness and his grace. The last time that I got to stand up here, we spent time in 1 John chapter 1, so it made sense to me to spend time today in 1 John chapter 2, because I went to school and I know how the counting works. Um, I use a devotional at home that sometimes has me reading different passages of Scripture kind of topically, and, and I enjoy that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I also think there's something really cool about reading through a book of the Bible or a section of Scripture. So that's why I chose to hang out today in 1 John chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you might already be there. If you're not, that's where we'll be today. We'll read verses 1 and 2 again. It says, My dear children... I am writing this to you so that you will not sin, but if, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. There's so much in just these couple of verses, I really feel like we could spend all of our time here today talking about it, uh, but we won't. But we're going to look at his first three words. He says, my dear children. There's a blank there that says John blanked for those he was writing to. The answer is cared. John cared for the people that he was writing to. It was a church that he had been a part of. It was a church that had some people teaching different things and trying to bring division in the church. John was likely fairly advanced in years when he wrote this letter. And it was a group of people that he truly loved and wanted to see the best for He addresses them throughout 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John in ways that shows his care for them. 
John wasn't writing a bunch of rules for the church to follow just so that they were following rules. He truly cared for this people as they followed Christ. In these verses, he says, he's writing to you so that you don't sin. We have power with Holy Spirit in our lives over sin. In Christ, there is freedom from the power of sin. And that's good news. When we live in Christ, we have the power over sin and temptation. But the next part of that verse says, but if you do sin, you have an advocate. We have Jesus Christ talking to the Father on our behalf. The Greek word used here is parakletos. Unless you speak Greek, then I probably said it wrong. And it is consistently portrayed as an advocate, one who speaks on behalf of the accused. And one commentary I read said that it's, it's not in the professional sense that we use it today, like you would think of a defense attorney or somebody like that, but as a friend or a patron who speaks up in favor of the accused. Like I said, I, I could chew on just these two verses all day, and I'd encourage you this week to keep, to keep digging into them. But we'll move on. Verse 3 says, And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. John taught an understanding of Christian faith that includes profound assurance and not just the maybe of spiritual optimism. Our hope in Christ is sure. Our hope in Christ is certain. Now, this doesn't mean that if you wrestle with doubts about God or about the Christian faith that you're not a good Christian or you're somehow lesser. I actually think it is healthy and necessary to wrestle with and through our doubts. But we need not question our salvation. If we have trusted Christ as our Savior, our hope is anchored in his work on the cross. Yeah, I agree with that one. You guys can yell too if you need to. If, if you ever feel an amen or a yes, I'm, I'm okay with that. And we'll actually have some participation later. So they're just ahead of the game. When I was outlining this passage, my title for these verses three through six was love equals obey. School is starting, so I was feeling very mathy. Love equals obey. Your next blanks there if you're following along. Loving Jesus cannot be separated from keeping his commands. Loving Jesus cannot be separated from keeping his commands. It can be easy to say that we love, but our love is shown in how we act. Our love for God is showing in us living in obedience to his commands. In his gospel, John, in the chapter 14, uh, we, we read, Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. In verses 3 through 11 here, the words living or live are used 12 times, which is nearly a dozen. Walking in obedience is something that we do continually. It's not a one-time decision, but it's how we live day by day by day. Now, this does not mean, of course, that those who know God will never fail to obey God's commands, but rather that those who know God will not be characterized by disobedience to his commands. We're not guaranteed to be perfect this side of eternity, which is good because I failed at that today. But 
our life will be characterized by living for and following after and walking in the ways of Christ. Those who keep God's commands may have assurance that they are people who know God. Those who claim to know God will not obey his commands are liars. Those who say they live in God must walk as Jesus walked. That is, keeping God's commands to them as Jesus obeyed God's commands to him. When John wrote this letter, there was, like I said, a group of people who were preaching a false gospel and saying things that didn't line up with historic Christianity. And John's writing to them to know that, that what you say and how you live will need to line up. Your next blanks, God's commands are because he cares about humans. Probably much more than the keepers who didn't want me to get scratched by an ocelot. God's commands are because he cares about humans. Just like the keeper's commands to pet from behind the kitties with a flat hand and stay away from the pointy bits were not arbitrary rules, God's commands are for our own good. In our culture, sometimes it feels like people believe that loving someone means always agreeing with them or letting them do whatever they want. And now it's time for, for a little game I talked about. Well, you'll need to respond with either A or B. So two letters is all you need. So I'll give you guys choices. Isn't coffee delicious? Sorry, I, it's water. I don't drink coffee. But for two years, every time I've preached, I've had a cup of water and a coffee cup. And it's one of those jokes that isn't funny anymore, but in five years, it'll be funny again. So I'm going to keep doing it. All right, so here's our game. Remember, your answers are A or B. So would it have been more loving for the keeper at the animal park to A, let us chase the caracal and pet it however we wanted to, or B, tell us a specific way to interact with a cat? B, I heard somebody say A, and that person is a wild person, and I'd like to hang out with you sometime. All right, we did good there. We're going to, we got, we got two more. I know it's a test. I'm sorry. So this one, would it be more loving to A, tell someone about the booger in their nose, or B, let them walk around all day without knowing? A, right? Now, now there was a right way and a wrong way to let someone know about the booger in their nose, right? We must always remember to speak the truth in love, right? We're not going to be mean to them, but, but, but they want to know. My wife is, is very loving to me. She often will tell me about the things in my nose. Sometimes I fix it. Sometimes I don't care. But she always tells me, and I appreciate that. Now we have one more, and if you're not a parent, you'll have to pretend or imagine for this one. Would it be more loving to A, let a five-year-old eat whatever they want, whenever they want, or B, choose a somewhat healthy diet for your little person? B, yeah. You guys are good. You're smart. You guys should be teaching this. So loving someone isn't about making sure that they have everything they want, but doing what you can to make sure they have what they need. God's commands aren't meant to be a burden, but they are there because of his love for us. Verse 6 tells us those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And this sentence made me wonder, how did Jesus did? And it turns out that John answered that question for me in verses 7 and 8. It says, Dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one you have heard from the very beginning. This old commandment, to love one another, is the same message you heard before. Yet, it is also new. 
Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you also are living it, for the darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. Christ lived walking out the great commandment. John tells us that explicitly, very nice of him, because he tells us to walk as Jesus lives, and then he tells us how Jesus lives. In Matthew 22, it'll be on the screen, we can read it, it says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. We're told to love God with everything that we have. This command is one that Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And then Jesus also tells us to love your neighbor. And Jesus lived a life of love for God and those around him. And we are called to do the same as we follow Christ's example. The love command was intensified and perfected in the expression in it, of his expression by Jesus. It is old, rooted in God's love and in his commands in the Old Testament. Now, it was a bit confusing for me when John said, it's not a new command, but an old command, but a new command. I don't know if that confuses anybody else, but I didn't follow him right away. So I read a little bit about it because I learned how to read last week. The command was not new, but it's the way that Jesus lived it out was new. Christ was the perfect example of what it means to live out this command to love, to love God fully and to love others. In verse 8, it says that Jesus lived this truth, but also that the people of the church that John was writing to were living this truth. John reminds them of the truth, but also takes time to let them know that they are doing well. And I would like to take a minute this morning to tell you that you are doing well. This time of transition, it ain't easy. And at least for me, it can feel discouraging or uncertain at times. But God knows what we're walking through as a church family and he is walking through it with us. If this is your first or second time visiting us, uh, I'm sorry if this part seems a little bit awkward, but if this is your church home, I want to say thank you for your continued faithfulness to the Lord and to this community of believers. We'll move on to verse 10, which says, Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. Your next blank there, love isn't a one-time decision but a continuous commitment. Again, we see live and living used throughout this passage. Love will characterize how we live. I decide each day to love and live for God, much in the way that I decide each day to love my wife, Nicole. And I'm a human, so I don't always do that perfectly. Sometimes I don't do that very well at all. But it's a choice we make every day. I imagine you would think it ridiculous if nearly 16 years ago I stood in front of people and God and told them that I would love my wife and then lived as if I didn't love my wife. It's not just that decision. It's not a decision to make Christ Lord of your life that you make once, but a continued walking out and growing in that faith. Um, I wake up every morning and I decide to love my wife. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's hard. Um... That's usually my fault because, well, sometimes I'm a jerk. But it's, it's true. Ask her. She's nice, so she probably won't tell you. But it's true. It's, it's a decision we make over and over again. And our love for God and our love for others is the same. It's the way we live. It's the way we walk. That love should characterize who we are. 
The last section of scripture that we'll read today is verses 12 through 14. It says, I am writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I'm going to read that again. If you want to, you can say amen. I'm writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. Amen. I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I'm writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. I have written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I have written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I have written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. God's word lives in your heart and you have won your battle with the evil one. Remember that throughout this letter, John referred to his readers as children, as dear children. So those, those, that first set where he says, children of God, that's, that's for all of us who have made Christ our Savior. He has taken away our sins and we know the Father. And then he writes to the mature believers and to the less mature believers. But what a great reminder to all of us that we've been forgiven through Jesus. Your last blank there, when we live for Christ, victory is assured. When we live for Christ, victory is assured. The battle over the evil one is already won because of Christ and his work on the cross. We can live in the victory that is assured in the blood of Christ. It's encouraging to me because because some days I don't feel that victory. And John doesn't say here that every day you'll feel that victory. But we know the end of the story. Any of you like to read like the end of a book before you actually read the book? What's wrong with you? I'm just kidding. It's, it's a fine way to do it, I'm sure. But we know the end of the story. We know that our victory is assured. We'll face trials. We'll face hard times here on this earth. But we know in Christ that our victory is assured. We're going to move to a time of communion, of celebrating the Lord's Supper together. Before we do that, I'll give us just a couple minutes. You can, you can sit, you can pray, uh, you, can, you can confess, you can check your heart. Um, so we'll take a couple minutes of silence, and then I'll come back up, and we'll take communion together. Thank you for checking out the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it. For more information, you can visit alliancebible.church.